Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dreamers Together podcast, where we talk all things DACA, adjustment of status, advancement parole, and anything immigration related. But we wanted to ask you a few questions, okay, and just kind of chat chat with you about that guy and all that good stuff. Yeah, of course. Okay, awesome. So, um, first off, Romel, kind of introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do for work, DACA, all that good stuff. Yeah, so uh, my name is Romeo, and I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, well, Marietta, Georgia, kind of close to Atlanta, and which is where uh, the Burt Show is located, and that's the radio show that I work for. It's a morning radio show. We're syndicated across the country, and um, I'm a producer for them, and I'm also a DACA recipient. Awesome. And so I did want to ask you about that because um, we want to kind of, you know, share other people's experiences with our listeners and with our Facebook group and stuff. And so did you always know you were undocumented and then or did you find out kind of like most of us in high school? And How was that for you? Um, no, I think I'm always glad that my parents kind of always told me that um, that I was undocumented. Like, I've, I think I always knew uh, since I was I was eight years old when I was when I was like, you know, when I moved to this country and uh, we came to through land. And so like that experience alone was just like completely different. You know, so I think I will. I always ask the questions like, of where we were going, why are we doing this, and then getting to the country. Like I said, I was in second grade, and my parents just always, or at least my mom, always made made sure to to remind me pretty much every day, like to do good in school, because my opportunities were extremely limited compared to like you know my cousins who were born in this country or friends that I had, and so I think I was always reminded of that, and I think that's what also made me aware of that my opportunities are very limited yeah I think that's how it was for a lot of us um because I was here well we came through land as well but I was I want to say like four-ish but we went back and came back and I was in the first third grade when we came back so it was I knew you know what I'm saying I knew better by then so it's kind of like okay why are we doing this um when are we coming back mm-hmm. and so when you start asking more questions about that so you say you're a producer for the Burt show yeah um how did you get into that um it was i think it was just a lot of luck really i grew up listening to the show i mean it's a it's a big show here um in my city and so growing up in high school that's when i became a listener of the show and it's so funny because i i used to think it was like the Burt show it's this like white show and like only white people listen to it and so it was always funny because i was I remember being like 16 years old in high school and, and thinking I wish they had a Latin representative. And so when I got to go to college, I did an internship with them and I applied literally one late night. I was it was like 1 a.m. And I was just I rem- feeling like I was down and just feeling like, you know, college, just that college like struggle pretty much. And so I remember applying and just feeling down about it and just telling myself like, no, this is going to happen. And I got the internship and long story short, I did the internship. I had a great time there. I think I showed them and I re- I got, I would always ask questions and just like put, like I always told myself if I can just get my foot in the door, I can open it and I can, I can build myself there. So I think once I was an intern for them, it was just really about me connecting with everybody and leaving a mark. And so when my internship was over, and they had an opportunity to hire a new person. I was one of the first people that came to their mind. And so I interviewed with them and 
I got super lucky. So I went from intern to being part time on the show. And now I'm, I'm, I'm a full producer of the show. I love it. I love yeah. that. I, <laughs> whenever I was looking you up and everything, I saw that um, you were the producer for them and how you did your internship there. And that's awesome because you also came from that town, you know, so you grew up listening to them. It's kind of like a whole nice little full circle moment. Yeah. Where you can go from being a kid and listening and saying, man, I need some Latino representation in there and being that Latino representation in there, you know? Yeah. And I think that that was the hardest part, too, because I, I think I, I suffered a lot with like this imposter syndrome of feeling like I don't belong. You know, like you're constantly always kind of told that you don't belong in this country. And then you're kind of the examples that you have on television or on the radio or in movies. A lot of times are like white dominant actors and things like that. So I've always felt like that representation was missing. And I remember feeling so terrified of being the representative for, for Latinos and just for our people and reminding myself of, man, if I was 16 years old and I can see myself now, like I would be so excited to know that there's somebody in my position with DACA, like doing things and getting done. And it would like, it would have given me motivation. So I always feel like I do things for my younger self, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You want to be able to, be what we didn't have back then you know yeah and just kind of like hoping to open the doors for other people and i think um that's one way to do it is just talking about like my my latino growing up and like my my latino experience and just talking about like my my cultura with being salvadorian and bringing pupusas to the show and then ha <laughs> having the show try them and things like that where i i you know get to the opportunity to just kind of share my upbringing and what it's like to grow up being Latino and also being in this country. Absolutely. Do you feel that because you are Latino and you're, you know, bringing that representation to them, to the show, you kind of feel like you have to act or do things a certain way so that people don't judge you or you kind of just throw that out the window and like, you know what, I'm just going to be me. Um, I think, and I, I think that this, that was one of the most difficult lessons I had to learn so far and I'm still learning you know like I'm, I'm like my second year into into this whole entertainment world and being part of radio and and in an industry where it's so quick and so fast moving and feeling like you're talking to thousands of people if not millions at times and so when I would go in certain mornings because I not not only do I produce for the show but I also get to be on the show as well like like for certain segments so right. I get you know I get to talk on there and so I remember feeling like I had to be perfect for everything I did. And I had to speak a certain way or talk a certain way and almost feel like, oh, I can't say this because they may not relate to it. Or I can't say that because they're not going to relate to it. And so at first it was like I was trying to navigate this weird feeling of feeling like I need to be perfect. And then realizing that I think people kind of saw through that and they almost didn't like it. And I would get like DMs and comments and it was the comments were hard to take. So then that made me realize if I try to be perfect, I noticed that people don't like it. And yep. so now it's just like me more allowing myself to be more myself. And if they can't relate, somebody will, somebody will relate somewhere, you know? So like the other day, for example, I, I brought in a segment where the guys on the bird show, how to guess the slang words that we use in El Salvador. And it was funny because I think that like when when I was doing this segment, I was thinking, man, like this was something I would have never had the guts to do and allowed myself to be more myself. Yeah. And I think being genuine, it goes a long way. Even like you said, not every, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but 
I feel like you, you get more out of it because then you're not uncomfortable with yourself and how you feel, you know, through the whole process. Yeah. And I think one of the, the hardest pressure was learning that I like, yes, I represent the Latinos and our people, but I don't represent everybody. And I think we like even though we all are DACA and all we are we're dreamers or we're undocumented or we're just immigrants in this country. Like each one of us has a, like a different experience, you know, and I think yeah. we may relate in one. And I think the hardest part for me was sharing my experience and then having certain like Latino people message me and that they didn't agree with the things I said or the way I handle certain situations. And it was hard for me to feel like I wasn't representing them. But I I had to remind myself that her like their story was completely different than mine. And so like I I struggled with that a lot. And so did you feel weird whenever um you know, like your coworkers found out that you were a DACA recipient or was it something that they knew from the beginning and you just didn't? Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I think I think around that time I got hired, it was um, President Trump was still in office. So we were still like in that in that like limbo or what's going. On. And I think around that time they had announced that that they were go like a federal judge, I think, in Texas had reopened it. And people could start applying again. And so I remember I brought that comment up to, to or I brought that article up to the show. And I remember Bert asking me how did I, did, did I relate to it in any way? Or was I just going to talk about it? And so that's when I shared with him. And I told him that I was terrified to share this on the radio. I mean, you don't, you grow up knowing, in a sense, to hide that you're undocumented, right? Right. So like, you know, so for me to then go completely I guess everything that I've always been told like don't share that information or don't talk about it you don't tell people like you know like so for me to go on the radio and then say I'm undocumented was the most terrifying day of my life and I remember feeling like I was shaking I wanted to like crawl out of my skin and just <laughs> feel so terrified because not only was I sharing it with my co-workers but I was sharing it with my like an entire cities across you know like 26 cities across the country so and knowing also like certain cities that are more like Republican dominated in, in certain areas. So I was I was completely terrified of what, what was going to happen after that. Yeah, I know. I can just imagine because like you said, we grow up knowing most of us that we're undocumented, but it's not something that we just publicize to everyone. We don't go around saying I'm the, I have, you know, I have that guy or whatever. So right. having to say something like that in front of so many people, I Honestly, I, I have no words. I, I I would probably just like, you know what? We're done. <laughs> I have to go. No. And, um, and I and I think I felt like I wanted to quit. I remember feeling like the night before because the night before we typically get like a little email that kind of breaks down the schedule for the next day. And I remember seeing it on there and just feeling terrified that I was going to talk about it. And I really wanted to call them and tell them, like, I don't want to do this. And it goes back to what I said, you know, where I remember I was a listener of the show. So for me. I put myself in that position of I think that if I do this, I'm not doing it just for myself. I'm doing it for a lot of people who feel like they can't do more than what they're told, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's so true because like you, like I said, a lot of us don't know. You're in community. I mean, I'm sorry. You're in entertainment. You know, people are going to school to be lawyers. And a lot of people who have DACA don't know they can do that because they're not informed or educated enough to be able to follow those types of careers, you know? Yeah. And so I do want to ask about Advancement Pro. I saw that you recently went out of the country. I did. I did. 
So tell us about that. How'd that work out for you? Oh man, that was, that was probably one of like a dream come true. Honestly, I think like every single one of us who's undocumented, we always dream about what it's like to, to go visit Mexico or go visit El Salvador, or go visit, you know, like all, all our countries that we're from. And I think the experience or the dream of, or the thought of me going to El Salvador was what felt like a dream. And then I share on the radio that I have a grandma in El Salvador who's sick and I had a lawyer contact me that they wanted to like pretty much work with me and they were going to help me out and they were going to apply for advanced parole. And I remember feeling like I was so scared. I've never heard of anybody leaving the country. I, I was just like, am I going to be able to come back? And leading up to, to the whole thing, I think it took nine months total for my paperwork to be processed. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't something cheap either. You know, I had to oh, pay yeah. the lawyer fee. And then on top of the lawyer fee, I had to pay for, you know, the uh, paperwork fee. So I think like the, the, the nine months that I was waiting for it to get, either get approved or denied were the longest nine months of my life. And then I remember like getting like I would check the website every single day, like refresh, refresh every morning. It was like almost a habit at that point. And, and then one day it was completely different and it, it just said approved. And I obviously like I just started racing. I was excited. I leave it. Um, and immediately, immediately I, I, I think I'm lucky enough that I work for, for a radio show that like we have the ability to be able to like, cause you know, when they approved my paperwork, they gave me one month to go. So I think I got approved in August of last year and they had given me pretty much all of october to go to el salvador and come back because they give you a window and that yeah. like, that's the like the window that you know you you gotta like visit and so the, i had one month and I, I think it was like so i i literally got my plane tickets i like hey i'm gonna do this they were so excited for me they were like thrilled they were excited because I, I was obviously talking about how this was a homecoming for me because i I no longer knew what El Salvador was like. I mean, I had grown up my entire life here. So to go back to El Salvador was like going for the first time to like a foreign land. And that was interesting because it's like your home country. And it almost didn't feel like that. You know, it just felt like we were going somewhere else. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know if you have any questions into regard to like what the process was like. So you said you went through a lawyer, right? And did you mm -hmm. give him like a specific... Um, like, did you tell him, you know what, I want to go just one time. I only need to go for this. Or were you like, can you try to get me out there multiple times? Or did you well, kind of just go based off what he told you? Well, what I had shared on the Burt Show was the the uh, fact that my grandma was sick. And at that time, my grandma, it was during the hard COVID times. And the whole country yeah. has shut down, you know, like 2020. And so at that time, my grandma had also gotten sick. And I think she was, she didn't have COVID, but she was just really, really sick. And so I shared the story of how I, I was sad because I never got to grow up with a grandma and I never got the opportunity to go visit them. And that now that she was sick, it's my last living grand grandparent. And the idea of that I never got to to see them was heartbreaking and for me. And so I share that story. And then that's when the lawyer contacted me and they, they pretty much told me that there are certain reasons as to why you can leave the country as a DACA recipient. Right. So which is like when you have a relative who's sick, um, I think missions for church and then for studying reasons, like if you go study abroad. 
Right. And so when I told them that my grandma was sick, we kind of worked with that excuse and we got paperwork from the hospital uh, and we submitted all that paperwork. And then we submitted like all my records that I've been in this country pretty much my entire life. And yeah. So um, now that you've actually done Advancement Pro and you actually got to go travel, do you plan on doing it again? Yeah, so I um, I got super lucky because one of the things that I, I asked my lawyer once everything was processed and done was for a copy of everything that they submitted and all like the paperwork already finished, which I think is a it's a great thing to do because not you have it for your own personal records, but moving forward, I think it's something that I can do myself. Absolutely, and so, so uh huh. Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was like, so I think that that helps a lot because it gives me the opportunity to to want to go again. I mean, I would love to go again, you know. Yeah, and that's something that we preach to our listen our listeners and our followers on Facebook because mm-hmm. we basically what we do is we teach you how to do it yourself so that okay. you can go multiple times or. Like you said, you got one month. We get people who go for that same reason. They get one year, multiple entries. So they get oh, to wow. go. Yeah. And so it's nice because like like now, you know, that's something that not everyone knows. Not everyone yeah. knows you can apply for a dental. You can go get your braces in Mexico and then say, hey, look, here's a list of the appointments I'm going to have. Send that in. And then you get your one year, multiple entries to go get that stuff taken care of. Oh, wow. I actually did not know that. Yeah. And That's so, awesome. yeah, it is. And when I first found them, you know, I was clueless. I didn't know that you can adjust, you know, your status from a DACA recipient to a permanent resident after you get your IP without having to leave the country. And so it's a lot of information that I feel that it's out there, but not everyone is looking for it. And we're just trying to we're trying to get it out there to people to know because. Oh, my God. People I feel are like missing I need so a, many. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to connect with you guys a lot more because I feel. A lot of times I'm just I, I think it, and maybe this is bad, but like when I look at like a lot of the DACA news, it just makes me like really sad and depressed to the point where I, like I don't want to keep up with it. Like it's just, yeah, I'll find out like the heart sadness of, of them taking it away, like, you know, because my mom would tell me or if they approve it for something better than like my mom would tell me in a sense. But other than that, like I just I'm one of I think I'm one of those dreamers that like I just rather not make myself stress out every single day. Oh, no, I completely feel you. I was the exact same way. <laughs> um, I When I got DACA for the first time, I didn't care about anything else. I was like, all right, just tell me when to renew and I'll renew. Yeah. And go on about my business. Right. And yeah, so- no, and I think, man, I mean, hopefully I can I can see if I can connect with you guys a lot more because uh, I know a lot of times we need like a better representative on, on the Burt Show when it comes to like informing people on DACA. So if I can have that connection with you guys, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, that's what we're here for, right? We want everyone who's a DACA recipient to know kind of like the processes. And so like now that you've done your advancement parole, um, are you going to eventually, you know, fix your status or work on becoming a permanent resident? Um, Yeah, I think that 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 was one of the biggest reasons as to why uh, we left the country as well was you know, because the, the our initial entry was an, Ill, an illegal entry. And so in that paperwork, when it comes to immigration, it's like already like a automatic, like big X um, because of that initial entry. But now that we've done advanced parole and come back in, it's more of a legal entry. And so I think moving forward, if there is an opportunity for me to fix my my paperwork and 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 do that, I think I would definitely do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's another big thing with us, you know, because um, Advance and Parole does give you that legal entry for you to be able to, you know, just fix from here instead of having to go because we've had it where yeah. you go to your consular process in your home country and mm-hmm. you get the 10-year ten, ban and you can't right. come back. And so we hate when that happens to people. And, you know, we want to make it as easy as possible for everyone because the goal is for us to get us from DACA recipients to permanent residents and then citizens, right? Mm-hmm. Because the more voices we can get to vote and the more change we can get at the end of the day. So That's right. Yeah, and I think I would encourage anybody if they have like the the funds and the opportunity to 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 travel and go back and apply for events parole. I think it's like the most amazing experience that you can have. And then not not only that, but then on top of that, you get the opportunity to like now change like your paperwork and, and fix that initial entry and things like that. So for me, I would recommend it to anyone and anybody who can do it because it was the most amazing time I've ever had. I'm so glad. So how long were you out there for? I went for about 10 days. Okay. So about nice. like a little over a week. Yeah. And so how was that for you, like uh, travel-wise? Because I think a lot of people don't talk about that. How was it for you, you know, getting on a plane, landing in another country, the process? So I had traveled uh, previously on planes domestically. So like going through to the international, because the way our, mm-hmm. our airport here in Atlanta is set up, there's two different airports. One of them is like domestic flights and the other one is like internationals. So like, and they're almost kind of like in complete separate areas and going to the international was such a different experience. And like, I think the entire morning I was so stressed out because I was traveling with my little brother because he also is DACA and we filled out the paperwork Um, because when I got the lawyer, I told him that my brother was in the same situation. So we filled out the paperwork together. Um, I think it was kind of like a similar case throughout everything because we had the same letters from the hospitals and things like that. So we got approved uh, both at the same time to go. So we got the opportunity to both go. And I was traveling with my girlfriend as well. And I think I was just so nervous and so stressed out and just thinking, well, damn, like this might be the time I go to El Salvador and what if I don't come back? And just, I had that in the back of my mind. And then just, I think always like reminding myself to have fun, enjoy it, enjoy the moment. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. But it was still like that fear for some reason in the back of my mind of, oh, like if there's something wrong in the paperwork, would they trip about it? And are they going to let me in again or not? So the entire time, like I, you can ask a lawyer, like I would message him like, are you sure they're going to let us in? Are you sure? Like, are you sure? <laughs> and he was like, dude, don't worry. Like, you'll be fine. I promise you once that paperwork it's get, gets processed and approved, like it will be like he was like, it, it will be extremely hard for them to deny. It. He was just he he advised me. That when I come back to the country to not bring anything like to not just like to not bring food, any any items like that, like, you know, like those like kessels or whatever you bring from your country and things like that. So that's what like that's one of the things he advised me not to do just because he was like, sometimes they may trip about that. Um, I don't know how how true it is or not, but it was just one of those things that I was just like, you know what, as long as I come back, it's all good. I don't got to bring a pollo campero for my mom. If you're Salvadorian, you know what that is. (laughs) I'm a big old Mexican over here, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to tell us what that is. So El Pollo Campero is like the biggest chicken franchise in Central America. And it's like anybody that goes to El Salvador and comes back brings like a bucket of Pollo Campero. So oh, it's just like okay. it's a staple when you leave the country. They have a restaurant at the airport for so they can like so you can grab it and you make sure you have it with you. How funny. <laughs> so um, 
that's exciting i'm so glad you yeah. were able to do it and yeah i'm not sure if i really answered your question i think it was just uh yeah i was just terrified and 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 scared but at the same time it was obviously so exciting and it was cool to see how much like el salvador had remember i mean i was eight years old when i left and then going back now and how completely different it was and and the negative image that I have of like everything that I see on Univision and Telemundo and like all these bad news. And so now looking like being there, realizing like, oh, like this is a beautiful place. And I got I felt more connected back home, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. That's and I think that's a lot of something that we hear a lot, too, you know, because like you said, you hear on the news, oh, the cartel is doing this or oh, mm -hmm. all this violence and. Then you see all these people on vacation out there and you're like, where is all that? Like they're out here right. living their best <laughs> lives. <laughs> right. And so that's awesome. So I did. Um, whenever you came back to the United States, how was that process for you? Because I know you have to go through the whole immigration and TSA process. Yeah. So um, I think that I had a completely different experience than what some dreamers who have traveled. And because I, I had a, a friend. Um, who was in the same scholarship that I had when I went to school because we got we got so lucky to get a scholarship with our DACA. And so I like all the people in my in my scholarship were DACA recipients. And I had a friend there who had traveled back to El Salvador recently as well. And I talked to her and she kind of told me that when she came back to the airport, uh, they pulled her aside into like a small room and they just asked her like, you know, three questions as to like why she left the country, why she traveled. And then they asked for her paperwork and then she was in there for about like 40 minutes and they approved her paperwork and then she walked out. Right. Uh, same thing with another like one of my mom's friends who was DACA and had traveled. Same thing. He, he said that like they pulled him aside into a room. They asked him a couple questions as to like why he traveled. And then they checked his paperwork and it was approved. And then for me and my brother, we pulled up to um, customs. And then we went through TSA and all that. And then we pulled up to to customs and th to go through what well, immigration and stuff like that. And they took our paperwork and for, the line was extremely long. So it took an hour. It took almost like 40 minutes to an hour to get to the agent. Then he grabbed their paperwork, grabbed their passports, grabbed our DACA card and grabbed the paperwork that the lawyer had given us from from uh, from um, ISIS. Right. No, Uzi's. Yeah, Uzi. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, wait, what am I saying? Uh, so from Uzi's and and so he we gave him the paperwork and then they took about like maybe an hour and a half to process the paperwork. But my brother and I we never got called into a room. We just sat in this little waiting area that they had for about an hour and a half. And I was obviously the hour and a half. Because I had heard all these stories of people getting pulled into a room. I was thinking that we were going to be in that little waiting area to get pulled into a room. And so it had been an hour. And I remember feeling so stressed out and so scared because I, again, it was just like that fear you have, you know, like, are you going to come back or not? So I remember feeling like they were taking so long. And then after an hour and a half, they, we, we get our names called. So they call for my name. They call for my brother's name. They give them, they give us our passport and our DACA card. And they're like, you're good to go. And that was it. That I feel like, like I talk was... a lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. That's perfect. <laughs> the more information is the better. Okay. So <laughs> that's what we want. I'm like, oh my God, I'm tired of talking to myself <laughs> or listening <laughs> to myself. No, you're good. 
<laughs> well, let me tell you about me, you know. <laughs> yeah, please. I don't even know who I'm talking to. <laughs> well, my name is Maria. Um, I'm also a DACA recipient. I'm from Mexico. I Like I said, I got here when I was really small. And then we went back and I came back around third grade-ish. And I've been here since. Okay. Um, I grew up in Texas. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I've had DACA since 2015, I believe. Yeah, 2015. And like I said, I was one of those people who would renew and go on about my business. Like, I really, you know, cared to do too much more about that. Yeah. And then I met my husband and he was like, well, what do we need to do to make you a permanent resident? Because that was around the time when they were trying to take it away, you mm -hmm. know, so... I was like, you know what, babe? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to have to figure it out. And so I started looking and I found um, Dreamers Together when I was renewing and I needed to change my last name. And so I've just been with them since. And I love right. it because, like I said, it was so eye-opening for me because I found them and I was like, whoa, like this is so much information. <laughs> I've always known about AP. You know, I've always known it was something you could do, but I never knew yeah. that it was something I could have done like in college to travel abroad for a travel abroad program for school or, you know, dental or, you know, some, some of the simplest reasons you could use it for. Yeah. And so it's nice. It's, it's awesome. I definitely do think, and I mean, oh my God, if you can go get like dental work done, like I think I like, you know, being in, in this country and not having health insurance and all these things get so pricey. Like even like my parents who are undocumented, they, they don't go to the doctor sometimes because it's so expensive and, you know, so I feel like if you get the opportunity to go get like some dental work done, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, um, what I gotta do to get a BBL out there? <laughs> so, <laughs> they were like, nah, girl, not that. <laughs> now, why not? I mean, if it works, it works, no. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, but we actually have a DACA recipient who does um, dental AP. And when I say he has at least 10 stamps on his passport from just going back and forth, it's oh, like awesome. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think I truthfully, I feel like I haven't applied again this whole year because I think it was an experience that happened. And I for me, one, it, I feel like I've been overwhelmed to to reapply. And then I, I have like a fear of like getting denied, even though I've been told that because I've already been approved once, the process is a little easier. I don't know how true that is, but I just feel like I'm so stressed out when it comes to like applying for things. So. Oh, no, I'm the exact same way. I feel like it, it, when you said you were checking every day, that's me. <laughs> like, I'm over here like, oh, come on, tell me I did it right. <laughs> um, what was the you you got to travel back to to Mexico? I actually have not yet. Um, not yet. OK, not yet. I am working on it, though. But we are working on creating a travel abroad program. And what mm -hmm. that is, is basically um, we're giving people a reason to be able to travel to their home country. So like right now we have um jamaica dominican republic mexico el salvador guatemala are some of the places that we're going to be able to travel because mm -hmm. you can't you don't have to just travel to your home country you can travel anywhere you know if right. you f fill out the application correctly you could travel to three or four countries at the same time oh, wow. so we're working on that yeah and we're going to go out and help people you know build their houses we go do charity work out there and so i'm looking forward to that we're going to get into that next year and Hopefully, I'm going to be all over the world and sure you know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yes, yes. I'm so excited about that. That's good. Uh, yeah. No, I think for me, I I don't even I didn't even know that you could apply to go to like different. You see, I, I feel like I don't even know that much information. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no. 
I was the exact same way, like I'm telling you. Because, you know, when you're in school, everybody does those travel abroad programs where they do a semester in France or a semester wherever. Like, we could have been doing that. You know, we uh, didn't know. have to be limited to just being here. It's crazy. Yeah, and I'm hoping that, I think I'm hoping that I, I get to do that, just that, you know, bring it. Oh, my God. Like, one of the things that I've loved about working on The Bird Show has been talking about DACA and and realizing one, one, it's not that just I love it, but also how sad it is that Americans are not educated on what DACA is. And me sharing what DACA was and like the opportunities that we get just from this, 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 like, you know, paperwork and just this one little card and sharing to them. Cause a lot of people don't, don't know that we go through an extensive background check and they have all our information and they just think that you go and apply and that's it. And so for me, like getting these messages of people saying like, Hey, I never had anybody who I could relate to when it comes to immigration issues. And now that I've heard your story, I, I feel like I've completely changed my perspective on, on, on it. And, or like, I might not fully agree with you, but I feel like I support DACA. And so that those things to me, like being able to open and sharing my experience with people has been amazing. Yeah, no, it's, if it, I don't know about you, but I get like all warm and fussy inside <laughs> when I, you know, when I share the information with other people. Yeah. Because I want us all to take, you know, advantage of these benefits. Yes. And I, I'm glad you guys are doing this. And, and I wish I had this sooner. And I think, you know, not only because I not only because I, I got the chance to work with another group of um I think a I don't know what like what they're. Oh, my God, that's so sad. Um, I'm blanking out from their name, but. It, it was this group of dreamers as well who gave me the opportunity to like they, they helped me reapply for my DACA. And so after that, they they taught me how to pretty much do my own paperwork. So the fact that you guys do this as well is incredible and it's awesome. And I really do hope that a lot of dreamers come to you guys and really educate themselves and take advantage, like you're saying, of all these opportunities. And I mean, it's it's we're yes, we're limited, but I think if you don't take an opportunity of like advancing in in where you're at and taking advantage of everything that this DACA program offers you, then you're doing it wrong. And I feel like you should take advantage of every single opportunity that you can get from DACA. And so I really hope that you guys get to do that for a lot of people. Absolutely. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> okay. So my last question is mm -hmm. once you have your permanent residency, where would you like to travel outside of the country that isn't home your home Ooh. country oh okay um i feel like i have to say somewhere in europe yes like, i feel <laughs> like i have to go with like like spain i love barcelona so like i have i feel like i want to go watch el clasico you know are in... you a soccer a soccer fan <laughs> i'm a, a fan ish like i know about it but not I, i'm not a diehard fan like you won't see me in like jerseys or like a poster on my wall or anything like that, but I, I keep up with it, you know? So oh, yeah. To have some conversation with the guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I would just love to be able to see like things that I always see on TV, like the Eiffel Tower, um, you know, go to some weird country in Germany or something. I think that for me is just traveling to places that you only like dream about. Yeah, I think that's kind of, so I don't know if that's a good answer or not. No, I love it. Yeah. I, I told my husband that too. I was like, you know, I know that I'm from Mexico originally, but if I want to travel the world, I want to go 
everywhere. You know, I want to hit up England and look yeah. at all the yeah. So Go to Italy, yeah, like yes. I mean, Mexico's Eat always going to be there, food. you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I guess that's, that would be my somewhat of an answer. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here today and. I was You're like, good. oh, I'm, I was telling uh, my boss because she runs the organization. I was like, dude, I'm so nervous because this guy has like a show in Atlanta and I'm over here like first time podcaster. <laughs> no, like, it's, it's all good. It's it's literally a learning curve. So I absolutely. I have a podcast as well. You know, after the show, we do the bird show. And then after the show, we have in the moment. And oh, yeah. And that <laughs> I podcast, <saw> that. <laughs> that podcast is, is a lot of fun and, and just. I don't know what it's like to host, so I, I think you're doing an amazing job, and I I feel like I, I may have overtaken your interview and talked a lot, so I, I apologize for that. <laughs> no, 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 I love it. I love that. Like I said, <laughs> I want to hear from y'all and, you know, get all y'all's, you know, everything about y'all because that makes you guys more relatable to our listeners. Yeah. And so I'm just here to start the conversation, you know? <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, I definitely do wish, like, we get – the opportunity to work again and maybe like you know i can figure out ways to like share your your podcast with people and and kind of bring more awareness to it yeah for sure i mean absolutely we're always looking for people who you know want to collaborate with us and get the word out yeah well you got my email if anything else that you need from me uh, i would love to be here again if you want me to and share different stories we might even be able to help you apply again. You know, you never know. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that would be amazing. Absolutely. We'll definitely get in touch. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Romeo. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Now, before we continue, I did want to let you guys know that we are now working with the Lawfully app. Now, this app allows you to keep track of the status of any of your cases no more having to log in to the USCIS website to keep checking. The app will automatically update you of any changes as they come. Make sure to use code D2G for $5 off when booking a consultation with a lawyer. The code will also give you additional points towards premium features. Make sure to come back next Tuesday for another episode of the Dreamers Together podcast. And don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias. Tune in to our TikTok, Clubhouse, and even our Facebook lives to get any question you may have answered.